Hey guys, welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hi. Hey guys. <laughs> that was my creepy voice for you. I loved it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Lindsay didn't appreciate it. I appreciated it. Thank you. I was trying to use my better voice for it's you. It's beautiful. And Lindsay. Have you guys seen any good documentaries yet? Lately? Not yet. <laughs> I did. What'd I you see? It was, it's called Pharma Bro. Have you watched it? Sounds like pharmacology. Is it about meds? It's about, yeah, um, <laughs> Martin Shkreli. Oh, yeah. He's the guy. He's known for taking uh, ownership of this drug that I think treats AIDS. Yeah. And uh, right? marked it. It used to be, I'm going to throw numbers out, it used to be like $13.50 a pill, and he marked it up to $750 a pill. Yeah. To where only Magic Johnson can afford it, yes. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so it's all about him because yeah. it goes above and beyond like that's a really shitty thing to do, but he's also a very, he's quite the character. Interesting. Yes. I heard about that one. I watched The Tinder Swindler. <gasps> that's what I watched. Yeah. You could explain <laughs> I it. I almost watched the gym It was today. very good. It was very good. I liked it a lot. And I knew nothing of it. It's Darn recent. It. I should have started with that. Um, yeah. So you haven't seen it yet? No. Okay. It's on Netflix. Yes. I highly recommend. It's about this guy who basically uses Tinder to match with women and then like basically frauds them. Like it's this huge like fraud and scam that he does and gets like hundreds of thousands of dollars from them it's a ponzi ponzi yes. scheme ponzi scheme is okay. it kind of like dear john it's like mlm but for tinder oh yeah like he makes money off of them like he makes them believe that he's this son of a billionaire the son of this diamond son of a billionaire <laughs> son of this diamond like minor or something not a minor but like <laughs> This huge family that has billions and billions of dollars. And so they go out on dates with him. He flies them on private jets. So they think he does have a lot of money, but it's money he's gotten from another woman. He's using that money to get more money from another woman. It's just this huge. And he was like traveling. I mean, this is all happening in like Europe. And he's traveling all over to all these different countries. So they like couldn't find him for the longest time because he would just hop from country to country every few days. He would like tell them that he's being held hostage and he needs like tens of thousands of dollars at a time so anyhow it is very interesting and that's like all given to you pretty quickly into the documentary so you find that out but Mm -hmm. you it's very interesting it tells it from the perspective of some of the women wow yeah it's good i recommend it i mean it's a shorter like a movie like like an hour and a half maybe a series or whatever so Mm -hmm. easy to watch that was my documentary that i've seen lately sorry no you're You're good burst your your documentary bubble watched it and i was like i bet they've seen this (laughs) Uh, when I'm home <laughs> from work and my kids are at school, that's what I do. I just watch, I'll, I'll just watch like several movies in a row because I can. And yep. then I, and then once they're home, like it's up moving around, I'm getting stuff done. But what are we talking about? What are we going to talk about? Lindsay? Smarky, smarky, smark. Yeah. That's beautiful. Smorgasbord. Oh, <laughs> is that what that means? I saved my word document as smorgy. <laughs> smorgy. Smorgy boardy. I feel like it's been a while since I've done a smorgy. Your personal FBI agent probably loves you. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the things that I Google. Your personal FBI agent. <laughs> that personal monitors. FBI agent. That is a goal in my life now. <laughs> you I are that like, important. <laughs> I feel like we probably all have a personal FBI agent. Yeah. I feel like there's enough FBI agents for her. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> What if I'm your FBI agent? I was just going to say, what if I am? I'm really sorry. It's a long con. Your Google history is suspicious. <laughs> Honestly, though. Mine is so. Okay, so the smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. One of our favorite things to talk about because we like to talk about whatever we want. Uh-huh. And Boyson's <laughs> keeping a secret from us because she said her topic is a surprise. Surprise. It is a surprise. <laughs> I like surprises. Let's I'm, spin the wheel. I'm excited. I want to see if you're first. Did you already spin it? No. Oh, <laughs> you gave me a look. <laughs> All right, we're ready? Ready. Ready. Ooh. Wow. Whee! Yay! <laughs> we don't know who it is yet. It's Sarah. Oh, it's me! Okay. Mine is short and sweet, and I told you guys it was a cryptid. I'm a little <sighs> upset that you're doing a cryptid. <laughs> I'm Why? sorry. It's okay. Because I because they're my things. Stepped on her cryptid toes. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> my cryptid toes it makes it sound like I have messed up toes. One of your toes is Mothman. 
the I've other's chupa. <laughs> then you wouldn't have toes at all. Stepped on your cryptid hoof. <laughs> my cryptid hoof forgives you. <laughs> okay, wait. Hold on. It's my cryptid hoofs. Man, that was a good visual there. Was it? Cryptid foot. <laughs> me stamping on it. Okay. But, you know, to be fair, Lindsay, I really don't know if this falls in the cryptid category. Okay. I'm so interested. you'll just have to let me know. Okay. But I'm going to talk to you guys about Jeff the Mongoose. <laughs> I know nothing about this. Jeff? Okay. Do you Jeff. know about Jeff? <laughs> no. Okay. Surprisingly, no. It sounds like something I would know about, but no. It's spelled G-E-F. But then in parentheses, it says J-E-F, like pr- pronunciate. Like not like hefe. Or hef. I was going to say gef. <laughs> I thought maybe gef. gef. But it says J, like it's pronounced like J-E-F. So I'm going to call him Jeff. It's like a okay. Jeff or gif. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we still can't agree on that. No, I still don't know the no, answer. Jeff is the peanut butter. Gif is the motion pictures. Pictures. Okay. Well, I'm going to call him Jeff because he looks like a Jeff. Okay. He's known as. Look like him. <laughs> I feel like you just have been Jeffs everywhere. <laughs> he looks like a mongoose. My dad is Jeff. <laughs> well, he's offended. Is this a story about your dad? Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, so Jeff, <laughs> he was known as the talking mongoose or the, oh gosh, I just re- remembered that I didn't look up how to pronounce any of these words, so. Good. <gasps> is this in America? It is not. Oh, we get accents. Uh, oh, we don't. You can try. What country are we going yeah, to? Yeah, where are I'm going to tell you. Here, okay. Just oh. a second, because I didn't I'm too know. excited about accents. Sorry. It's okay. Um, But I think it's called Dalby. Dalby? D-A-L-B-Y. That's a country? Dalby Spook is the name of Jeff. They called him either Jeff the Talking Mongoose or the Dalby Spook. Okay. 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 So it was the name given to an allegedly talking mongoose that lived in a farmhouse. The farmhouse was owned by the Irving family. The Irving's farm was located at Cashin's Gap near the hamlet of Dalby on the Isle of Man. Isle of Man. Did that clear it up? No, one more time. <laughs> I know exactly what she's talking about. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's an island nation and self-governing British crown dependency in the Irish Sea between Great Britain and Ireland. Okay. I didn't know this place existed. But to, no. to be fair, <laughs> geography is not really I'm my not strong culture. Suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the story. In September of 1931, the Irving family claimed they heard persistent scratching, wrestling, and vocal noises behind their farmhouse's wooden wall panels. Quick. Give me an impression of a vocal noise. Hey, it's me, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, that is not how I imagined you at all. (laughs) Can you hear me? (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Jeff. (laughs) Can you pay attention to me? I'm here. Jeff is terrifying. (laughs) I'm getting FOMO. (laughs) Stuck in the walls. Don't leave me out. That's what Jeff sounds like. talking about me? (laughs) Your dinner looks good. Can I have some? Are you mad at me? (laughs) <laughs> He's got a serious snore. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was going to be having Jeff impersonations. <laughs> we did not come prepared. Uh, spur of the moment. Okay. Oh, where was I? I don't know. Oh, scratching in the wall. Vocal noises. Vocal noises. That's, yep, that's where. All we right, got there lost. we go. Behind the wooden wall panels, <laughs> they said it resembled a ferret, a dog. Or a baby, I'm guessing, in the noises. So that's why I sounded so high-pitched. Gotcha. So the family, just so you're aware, it included James, Margaret, they were the parents, and their 13-year-old daughter, oh gosh, Jeff, Vori. Like Lori with a V? V V-O-I-R-R-E-Y. Voiri. (laughs) Voiri. I don't know. (laughs) British? Vlad? That sounded more Italian. (laughs) It did. Voire? 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 V. You get the point. V. V. According to them, a creature named Jeff introduced itself and said that it was a mongoose born in India in 1852. Hey guys, it's me, Jeff. I'm a mongoose. I came from (laughs) India. Oh, you need to have an Indian accent. I don't even know how to. (laughs) I will offend everybody if I try. I honestly, I mean, it's kind of British. Um, no, no, no. An Indian accent? No. 
don't know. She's right there. We'll offend everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm not even going to try. Just imagine it in my best Indian accent. Um, hey, guys, it's me, Jeff. I was born in India in 1852. <clears throat> this is a very friendly mongoose. <laughs> uh, they describe the creature as the size of a small rat with yellowish fur and a large bushy tail. Okay. The, the Irving said that Jeff told them that he was an, quote, extra, extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a ghost in the form of a mongoose. An extra, extra? <laughs> He's extra, extra clever. Okay. As, this family sounds like they might be on a substance. I am concerned for everyone involved. <laughs> Listen, if a mongoose is talking first off... If they're describing themselves as extra, extra. I know. Extra, extra. My mom who said that, okay? It was Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff said he was extra, extra clever. Okay. He also apparently once said, quote, I'm a freak. I have- <laughs> I'm a freak. <laughs> In the sheets. I'm like a freak mongoose. <laughs> I'm not a normal mongoose. I'm a freak mongoose. I'm an extra freak. <laughs> I'm a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. <laughs> That's, That's exactly what... Exactly I was called a freak. That's exactly what Jeff said. Jeff is a freak. He said, I have hands and I have feet. (laughs) And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Okay, Jeff. Okay. Jeff Jeff had some claims. Jeff is weird. The family made several claims about Jeff, including that he supposedly guarded their house and informed them of the approach of guests or an unfamiliar dog. Uh, or if somebody forgot to put out a fire at night, Jeff would just go put it out for them because he was helpful. That's nice. Oh, so he is a ghost mongoose He's a helpful who can put out ghost fires? Ghost mongoose, yes. He's a firefighter. <laughs> Jeff the firefighter mongoose. <laughs> he would also basically act as an alarm clock. And when people would oversleep, he'd wake them up. He's a rooster. He's a rooster. He's a cat because he chases mice away. Oh, okay. I was like... He does all the things. He's extra, extra. He's extra, extra. (laughs) The family would often leave food out for him, and then Jeff would come snatch it while he thought nobody was looking. But turns out they they think that they caught glimpses of Jeff. Hey, guys, it's just me, Jeff, grabbing my food. I am still stuck on the fact that they think this is a talking mongoose. (laughs) It's talking. Uh, Jeff would tag along with the family when they would go to the market, but he pretty much stayed on the other side of the hedges so nobody could see him, and he would chat incessantly. Okay. Uh, Okay. The tabloids, they started... (laughs) Did you look at him? Are you looking at pictures of Jeff? I looked up a picture of a mongoose. (laughs) Oh, you don't know what a mongoose looks like? It's... Yeah. Hey guys, it's me, Jeff. They're kind of like a ferret. I can see it now. They're like <laughs> ferrets. That's what I was picturing. But bigger. In my I'm gonna head. look at his face every they time you talk. They kill cobras. You should just Google Jeff the mongoose and look at his pictures. Oh, they, oh I think is they there drew... a picture of Jeff? Oh yeah, he's very popular, guys. Oh, he looks. He nice. looks like a squirrel. He looks a lot smaller his than eyelashes. He looks. He has got some mascara for days. He was pretty. He was extra, <laughs> extra. Okay. The tabloids heard about the story, and Jeff became super popular. He's on Google. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people tried to catch a glimpse of Jeff. Some said to have even heard his voice and claimed that they saw him. Mm. In, Ju- in July 1935, a man named Richard Lambert, known as Rex, he was the editor of Listener, which I'm assuming is maybe a paper. It didn't say yeah, I don't know. Um, and he also <laughs> went with his friend, a paranormal investigator, Harry Price. They went to the Isle of Man to investigate the case. Okay. Uh, this visit produced the book, The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. In the book, they discussed some of the evidence that had been presented by the Irving family, but they basically debunked the entire claim. So, unfortunately... A talking <laughs> weasel, yes. I can see how that was debunked. It's a mongoose! <laughs> unfortunately, the physical evidence wasn't exactly stacking up in Jeff's favor. Footprints, stains on the wall, and hair samples claimed to be evidence of Jeff were identified as the family dogs. Yeah, that makes sense. Other psychic investigators, though, they believed that Jeff was a poltergeist or a ghost. And people who lived on the island thought the whole thing had been made up by... Oh, gosh, here we go again. Voiry? Voiry. Remind me again, did did you tell me how old she is? She was 13. 13, okay. But mom and dad also went along with it. So... Who knows? Margaret and Voiry, they left the house in 1945 after the death of James. They said that they had to sell the farm at a loss because it had this big reputation of being haunted. Hmm. 
1946, the, fam- the, the farm was bought by actor Leslie Graham. She claimed that the press had shot and killed Jeff, but the body that they showed was black and white and much larger than Jeff. So, Like a skunk? Probably a skunk. <laughs> a black and white animal? Right. <laughs> okay. I don't know. On the Isle of Man. Okay. That's where it is. Or maybe a big squirrel. But that's all I got for you about the story of Jeff. That's Wait, that's it? it? That's where it ends. So nobody knows what it was. It Basically, was when Jeff, they left. The talking mongoose. <laughs> when they left, Jeff, Jeff left. left. <laughs> so maybe they were making it up. No. Okay. Are you believing in a talking mongoose? He sounds so nice. I mean, of all the cryptids, if we can cl- classify him as a I cryptid. I would classify him as a cryptid. But I think he's a very him. friendly. He's, he's like a Disney character. It sounds exactly like a Disney character. Yeah. The animal starts talking to me. Where are you at with Jeff the Mongoose remake? Let's make a musical. We need a live action. (laughs) Live action. Make a musical. Live action. Jeff gets a whole ballad (laughs) to sing. I am on board. What would they say? What would the song be? It would be about his extra, extra powers. (laughs) And it would be very upbeat and catchy. We'd all be bebopping to it. That's not a ballad. That is, um, Okay. It'd be like Let It Go. Let It Go is kind of like a ballad, but it's also like a Oh, okay. I get where you're going song. with that. Yes. That was gritty. Let's call Lin-Manuel Miranda. Let's get him on the phone. I mean, I think there's something to it. I think if anyone's going to make this happen, it's going to be him. He's obviously very friendly. He puts out your fires. He wakes you up. Uh, it's a little weird that he talks to you. Boys, and where are you on with the Jeff the Mongoose train? Um, I think he's real, and I also <laughs> just ordered us these stickers. <laughs> yes! <laughs> what do they say? I can't read it. Extra, extra clever. No, it does not. <laughs> Did you just Google Jeff the Mongoose? Yes. That's amazing. I love it so much. I cannot believe that. They That's should be amazing. That days. <laughs> Where is my Mothman or my Goatman or all Have of it. my cryptids? Yeah. Oh, somebody's feeling jealous. I kind of am. She does one cryptid and we get stickers about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done how many cryptids for you people? Pan? Hello? <laughs> maybe maybe it's just because mine has a famous quote. He's extra, extra clever. And he's a freak. Whatever. If you would have done an impersonation no, like she does, we would have stickers. Next time. My feelings are hurt. Oh. <sighs> Listen, it's not my fault my cryptids don't speak. Well, you just got to make them. Like, make it up. I'm Goatman. <laughs> That's for a Goatman sticker. She made eye contact with I me when she that. did that. I actually thought you were burping. Do you think Goatman would have a high-pitched voice? No. Maybe. He's evil. <laughs> Can you see him with his big body and his horns being like, Hey, guys, it's me, Goatman. <laughs> hey, welcome to my bridge. <laughs> Hope you enjoy People it. People are scared of me, but I don't know why. <laughs> I'm really just a friendly Goatman. This is my friend Jeff. <laughs> this is my friend Jeff the Mongoose. He traveled all the way from Isle of Man. Just to come to Texas. <laughs> Playing with my bridge. It's probably dangerous, but I think it's time for shots. <laughs> oh, Don't man. try to butter me up. My feelings are hurt. Wow, I'm so sorry. We are drinking some um, apple pie. Apple pie moonshine from Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Oh, boy. Hold on. Let me do It is 70 proof. All right. While you're drinking that, let's uh, spin the wheel, see who goes next. It hurts. <laughs> Trying to keep it from coming back up. We're going to sh- chase that with some water. <laughs> I don't even have water. I'm chasing it with wine. It's me. It's, God bless <laughs> it. I'm going to go last but when look. you made me do two moonshot shines. Looks- moonshot shines. Moonshot shines. <laughs> it made sense in my head. I was like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm chasing my moonshine shots with wine. <laughs> we got a surprise. <laughs> Ooh, that's right. A surprise. We're going to go to Venezuela. <gasps> Venezuela. <laughs> no, that was too like inflection. What? It was like too much inflection in the wrong part. <laughs> the surprise is the story is about a cave. Ooh, I Ooh. love caves. Cave diving. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> I really terrifying. Do. We hate cave diving. I hate. I hate to love it. Love to hate it. <laughs> you hate to love it. I got that wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. So at 8 p.m. on Saturday night in July of 1991. Friends, Gustavo Badillo, mm-hmm. beautiful, wow. and beautiful Eduardo Wallace. No, oh, okay. you could do better with Eduardo Wallace. I get it. Eduardo. Oh, Eduardo Wallace. Because <laughs> two L's makes a Y. <laughs> I think it's just Wallace. 
Why yeast? Does that sound like a... Why yes? I'm going to stick with it. Why yes? Okay. Okay. All right. The two of them decided to go diving in a cave at the base of a mountain deep in a dense jungle in Venezuela. This cave was discovered in 1973, so 18 years earlier, by a British cave diver who followed a stream to an underground cave, saying that when he went diving, it led to a large subterranean lake. Nope. That sounds like uh, the setup to a horror movie. It does. I've seen that movie. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it doesn't end well. <laughs> there is. Well. There's one person who survives. So this particular cave had been rated as, quote, extremely hazardous, even by top diving professionals. And Gustavo and Eduardo were experienced divers, but not formally trained to dive underground. And they certainly weren't professionals. So Gustavo was a diving instructor, but his experience was limited to ocean diving, where there's natural light and the way out is to go straight up, not to go through tunnels and twists and turns and Mm -hmm. crawl on your belly. Yeah, I feel like that's totally different. I have never been, but I agree. I think it's... Yeah, I've never been either. Obviously, I'm not an expert, but I feel like... It's much more Tunnels, darkness would be way worse. Definitely. So they each put on their limited gear, like one tank, a few lights, a rope attached (laughs) to a floaty type of thing, and they jump into a cool 65 degree temperature water. Okay. They swim along a little clumsily and stir up silt from the bottom. Never good. It's not. So this in turn reduces the visibility of the water drastically, like to near zero, which confuses the men. What? Sarah, don't move. <laughs> what? I hate this so much right now. <laughs> I'm going to shut the door. I think there's a bat in the house. <laughs> shut the front door! Oh, my God. Are you? <laughs> oh, my God. Are we going to talk about what just happened? What just happened, boy? Oh, God. In your house. I'm going to set the stage. I was doing my story. <laughs> By the corner of my eye, I saw something flying, and I was like, ooh, a ghost. And then I saw my cat chase it, and I was like, oh, it's probably not a ghost. And then he came back the other way in front of the door again, and I was like, oh, I think that's a bat. <laughs> oh, uh, my so God. I was a good friend. I said, Sarah, I know you did. Sarah, don't move. You did, and you didn't tell me, which is yes. fine. And I she, understand why. You did great. You froze. I you did. did I, I did what you told me to do. <laughs> I said, I don't like this, but I I will do what you tell me to do. Then I went out to investigate and I said, I think there's a bat in the house. And Mike was upstairs and he's like, yeah, there's a bat in the house. And so long story short, I trapped a bat. You're so brave. With a cup, which means I had to get within less than a foot of it. You are my hero. Thank you. And then Mike put a little plate under the cup and he carried it outside and we released (sighs) it into the world. Me and Sarah stayed hidden in the room. The coolest part about this whole experience was that he... Have you ever watched the Magic School Bus? Yes. And so you know about echolocation? Yeah. Yes. I think he was using echolocation because he just kept making this little chirping sound. <laughs> like a dolphin. Or he was rabid. <laughs> He's a rabid bat. Well, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'm going to call my doctor tomorrow and see if I need a rabies shot. But Okay, wait. She was freaked out because I said that bat was in here while we were how eating dinner. How long has it been in the house? I don't I don't know on it. We don't know how it got in here because this is a never happened and we don't have an attic that connects to the inside of the house. So maybe it just flew in when someone opened the door. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, God, I'm traumatized, but it's fine. <laughs> and we're going to have to find a new location to um, <laughs> podcast from. Well, now I really have to move. <laughs> It's going to be fine as long as we shut the door in here and I can see all the ceilings in here. I'll be fine. All the ceilings. There's one ceiling. I was so brave. You were so brave. You're I was very hero. proud of you. I'm very, you. you're my hero. <laughs> I was out there until you're like, all right, we're going to capture it. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Wow. That is very brave. I would have never. I hate, I hate that <laughs> so much. We all survived. We did. Take a nice cleansing breath. I'm very proud of you. We even got a picture of it too. We'll have to post that. <laughs> we We did. No, there was no we in this I scenario. I got a picture of the bat. It yes, was all Boydston. I stayed in the room. <laughs> like a giant scaredy cat because it is my biggest fear. I hate bats. I hate them I so don't blame much. you. They're creepy. 
That thing looked big in your picture, too. <laughs> I was zoomed in. Okay, well, back to my cave. Story. I destined to be a bat no in, in, in my next we life. <laughs> Long story short, Gustavo, Eduardo are going after this cave because a British diver said it was there and it led to a large lake. And right? they're not qualified and they were stirring up silt. Yep. That was bad. Yeah. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Cold Bring water. It back. You're good. Cold water stirring up silt. So visibility is next to nothing. And they got confused. Just curious. Do you know why the cold water part is important? I don't. Honestly, it's because it's cold. And I didn't say this in my story, but they're wearing two different suits. Like one person has a wet suit and one person has a dry suit. And I tried to Google it, but depending on which member of the diving community you ask, one is better than the other for okay. cold. Diving. Well, I was thinking when you're cold, like you burn more calories and you use up more oxygen. Yes. Because you're okay. shivering. I know nothing. So pretty soon they could see so little that they needed to swim along the cave wall to help guide them, which if I would be in that situation, I would have just said, I mean, I think it's time to go. Yeah. But they went Can't see. They went further. They eventually became separated, and now both of these guys are feeling just completely alone. It's dark because it's an underground cave, um, and they've got all the silt. So I think one analogy that I read was it was like swimming in chocolate pudding, the visibility of chocolate pudding. That's, that's like nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, so they swim around trying to find each other, blindly feeling around in the dark water, trying to stay calm. No. Which I would not stay calm. Anxiety attack right there. Um, Gustavo and Eduardo eventually, individually, came up on different air pockets within the cave system. They would take their mouthpieces out and yell for each other. Uh, luckily, Ugh. they came to these little air pockets at the same time so they could hear the other yelling. And they agreed that they needed to get out of the cave. And even though it's best to swim with a partner, they knew it would be a bigger struggle to try and find each other to swim out together. So they agreed to exit separately and meet up at the entrance. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. On edge, Eduardo probably took a deep breath in the air pocket, put his mouthpiece back in, and blindly felt his way out, swimming into walls and dead ends until he eventually made it to the cave entrance. Wow. He waited for Gustavo f- and started to get nervous when he didn't see or hear anything for what felt like hours. And Gustavo had tried to get out, but he got confused and ended up swimming the wrong way swimming even deeper into the cave, finding another air pocket where he stayed. So Eduardo went back in several times uh, after Gustavo, trying to find his friend, but he quickly ran out of oxygen because they each just brought one tank. Right. So he went and ran into the jungle in the middle of the night, like early morning hours, to try and find some help. So later on, Esteemed diving instructor Steve Gerard was sipping his coffee and reading the paper in Florida when he got a call from a distraught lady named Vivian Endriago. Okay. She was a friend of Gustavo and told Steve that Gustavo was lost in an underwater cave and had been for 12 hours now. And she pleaded with him to help find, uh, help find her friend. And it was easy to lose hope after 12 hours, but Steve knew he at least had to try. So soon, Steve and two other divers were on the next plane to Venezuela. They had to travel by another plane, a smaller one, and then a helicopter, and then finally a jeep deep into the jungle to get to the cave. And I read a story that they had to go over several bridges, and one of the bridges was only, like, wide enough to just barely fit the jeep's wheels. Mm -mm. So... If they would have, like, gone one way or the other, they would have fallen hundreds of feet to their death. Well, and it's taken this long Jeez. to travel to get to them. <laughs> right, right. So they finally arrived 36 hours later, fully expecting this to have turned into a recovery dive instead of a rescue dive. The guys tied a guideline to a surface rock and got into the cool water. They were only able to see about six inches in front of them as they searched for the missing diver. They came to an air pocket and bumped into an orange float. That was the float that was attached to a rope. It was Gustavo's, but it wasn't attached to Gustavo. And they were confused at the time. Like, why would, A, why would anybody bring this into a a cave dive? And also, why would you let it go? Mm -hmm. So unsure of how he lost it, they continued to search. And they finally found him in another air pocket deep in the cave after what seemed like hours of swimming. Gustavo looked at the men, stumbling towards them in shock and hugging his saviors. 
Aww. He's alive. I know. He said when he saw all the diver's lights illuminating the small air pocket, he thought that they were angels coming to take him to heaven. Can you imagine? He's been in there 36 hours. Yeah. Like, you're just convinced it's over. Yeah. Yeah, just waiting to die. Like, it's a little air pocket, and so it can't have that much oxygen to recycle and go through so much. Having to, like, swim and tread water, basically. Yes. Steve left the group to go back to the entrance and tell the others there were there was a small crowd at this point waiting to see what happened to Gustavo. Um, and he went to tell others that the news was good. He's alive. He grabbed a bottle of glucose enhanced water to give to Gustavo for the journey back. And Gustavo happily drank it. He drank the whole thing and he was led back to the cave entrance closely monitored by the team. Didn't let him slip out again. Yeah. I should hope not. Right. After more than a day and a half in the darkness, waiting to die, Gustavo made it out of the cave and into the arms of his family and friends. And then he collapsed from exhaustion. And never went diving again. (laughs) Oh, Gustavo. (laughs) He thanked his rescuers as he wrapped himself in a fire blanket to keep warm. They waited for the fog to lift and Gustavo was taken by helicopter to a hospital to be checked out. And he he did check out. He was okay physically. So Gustavo wasn't able to turn the lights out at night for the week following his rescue. He was irritable with family and close friends. He ended up quitting his job as a diving instructor. Yeah, I bet he did. His friends say that he just hasn't been the same since the incident. But Gustavo does have a goal to get formal cave dive training, preferably from Steve, and go back to that cave with plans to make it out. On his own this time. No. Mm-mm. Gustavo, you know no. It's okay. Gustavo. There's, there's such a thing as facing your fears. And then there's also a thing as no. As <laughs> cave diving. And that's uh, two thumbs down. <clears throat> he wants to specifically, you know, for the main goal. But he also wants to pick up two things that he left in the cave. One was this um, a, a prayer relic that he dropped and then another was his diving knife and at one point while he was in the cave he thought it would be quicker if he took his own life sure. with the diving knife but he intentionally dropped it so that he wouldn't do that and so he wants to go back and get those two things have someone else go back and get them for you buddy or just it's a donation to the cave to the cave sacrifice yes no i guess that would be the better term i this has solidified i will never go diving Right. Well, Uh, I did this because it's a cave survivor story. Yes, but it's still terrifying. Barely. It is terrifying. You're not wrong. Um, This reminds me of yet another documentary. Another doc. Okay. Um, Actually, it's on the Disney Channel. The Disney Channel. I have not watched it yet, but it's on my to-watch list. Well, Disney Channel has, like, National Geographic. Yeah, it does. And it's about... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm never going to remember where the soccer team is from, but the soccer team that got stuck in the cave oh, yeah. underwater and their rescue. I have no idea about this. Oh, really? It was fairly oh. recent. They were down there for... Oh, yes, 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 yes. A long time. Yes, yes. I remember now. But I was thinking it talks, underwater. It talks yes. about, like, how they rescued them and also, like, how things were for them after. And I got to be honest, for that like first five minutes when we were trying to regroup afterwards, all I could think about was my exit strategy in case another bat comes in here because that is my biggest fear that we're sitting here recording and then a fucking bat dive bombs my face. Um, what am I going to do? I thought I can't go hide under go. here because it will follow me, obviously. So I'm going to go into your closet. The Quickly. Walter closet. Just gnaw my way out uh, through the front wall. Mm-hmm. Just scratch it. This <laughs> like is a, Jeff the Mongoose. Oh, I, have a, Jeff the I have a brick house. But. <laughs> hey, guys, let me out. There's <laughs> a bat care. in here. There's a bat. Let me <laughs> out. <laughs> hey, it's me, Jeff. <laughs> Always. All right, it's me. I'm so sorry that I had a bat in my house. I really did not plan that. <laughs> that was you didn't. not your fault. I'm really, really trying to <laughs> Ever want to come back again? <laughs> How about I take your mind off of it with an unsolved? I said it to Ben, and he goes, oh, my God, that is <laughs> literally your biggest fear and i'm like i know i know <laughs> i know at least i didn't come in here but it makes me wonder am i cursed um am i cursed the evil is making its yeah. way in okay proceed hey creepy people this is pnw haunts and homicides i'm caitlin and i'm cassie together we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the pacific northwest 
We're just two normal-ish friends who wanted more creepy local stories. Our episodes start with a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on each topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. Come join us. We've got plenty of wine, laughs, and stories to share. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous as well as lesser-known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 and Forest Park. As well as our spooky stories from Pike Place in the Oregon Vortex on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and many more. For all of you that are listening, if you have any true crime or paranormal stories that you want us to share, email us at pnwhauntsandhomicides at gmail.com. Have, have a, a creepy, creepy ass, ass day. day. Oh, you said it was an unsolved? Yes. But it's kind of a well-known-ish. I love unsolved. Okay, but listen, can't I feel we... like you, we can solve this one. Because... Should we spin again and see if one of us can go instead of her? <laughs> We're going to talk about Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon. What? what? <laughs> you said this is a well-known one? <laughs> Once I start talking about it, you might know about it. It's not in America. Chris Kremers, of course. Chris Kringle. Got it. April 1st, 2014. Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon. They are students that okay, are staying. Pause. What is the last name you're saying? Froon. Oh, I think you said like Ranfroon. Spoon, but Froon. Lisanne Froon. Oh, Lisanne. They That's are from the speaking. Netherlands. Okay. All right, so they were staying with a host family in Panama. So they are Dutch. They are 21 and 22 years old, and they're basically staying in Panama during their gap year, which is this a thing in Europe where you have like a gap year? I want a gap year. We uh, can just I'm go and do things. I'm an expert in that, so. <laughs> so they were going to Panama to learn how to speak Spanish and then to volunteer at a school and like teach Spanish to these kids and also travel. It was kind of like they were friends who were doing this thing. So they were, like I said, students from the Netherlands. So they're staying with a host family while they're there in Panama, and they decide to take the family's dog on a walk through the jungle and the volcanoes that are around them in Boquette, Panama. And they were never seen again. Was the no, dog? Okay. Wait. Okay. So before the disappearance, the girls, this is 2014, they have smartphones. They were very active on social media. They had made a Facebook post saying that they were going to tour the village. Um, they had had brunch with two fellow Dutchmen before going on their hike. Like, everything seemed totally fine. I know the story. I was going to say it's a very popular one. All right. So that well, night. it's not popular enough because I don't know it. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Fuck you both. <laughs> so that night, the family noticed something was wrong. The host family. Okay. The dog had returned safe and sound. Praise be. But they the girls do. had not. So they searched the area around their home, but decided to wait till morning. Actually, I do know this story. To call authorities. Oh. April 2nd. The girls missed an appointment with the local tour guide, so they were going to go on this tour. The tour guide notices they didn't show up, so he contacts the host family. The host family's like, oh, yeah, they never came back last night from their walk. And then oh, the tour guide the then calls the school that they were supposed to volunteer at. And the school is the one who called the police. Wait, the host family never did? They never did. That seems is sketch. It, is it normal mm -hmm. to go missing in the jungle? And Maybe Panama? they thought, look, these are two girls from a foreign country. They're 21 and 22. Maybe they met someone and they were just out partying all night. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I think it might have been cultural differences. Who knows? But they yeah. did not call the authorities. Still no. weird that the school would call and they wouldn't, but okay. Okay. And so, especially if the dog showed back up. Right. The dog came running right back. April 3rd. So the next day. So they've been missing for two days. Yeah. On April 3rd, they conduct an aerial search of the forest, as well as a foot search of the village by locals, but did not find anything. Okay. April 6th, five days later, they are still missing. So at this point, their fami the families have flown to Panama they brought detectives and police from the Netherlands because they were not satisfied with what the Panama authorities were doing. So they searched the forest for 10 days with police and dog units and found nothing. Oh, yikes. So they did 10 weeks of exhaustive searches. And after 10 weeks, the police kind of started slowing down because really the odds of finding someone still alive after 10 weeks in a forest of jungle is not likely. I imagine it's probably hard to find somebody anyways right. in the jungle. but right. What do I know? But then a local woman turns in a blue backpack. She says that she found it along the banks of the river one morning. Inside was two pairs of sunglasses, $83 in cash, Froon's passport, a water bottle, and two bras. Both of their cell phones were inside and Froon's camera. Hmm. So 
unusual thing about the backpack, this is the rainforest. It had been raining for a long time. This is weeks later. The backpack was completely dry. Everything inside of it was dry. And the woman who found it said she had been there yesterday and the backpack was not there yesterday. So police were like, oh, maybe it just washed up in the creek then overnight. But it was completely dry. Nay. Yeah. So we're going to get creepy. All right. The phones. They remained in service for 10 days after the disappearance. And part of the reason why is because they would turn the phones off for hours and hours at a time trying to conserve the battery. So over four days, the first four days, 77 attempts to call the police were made. But because they were in the jungle, only one of those calls went through and it lasted two seconds before they lost service. Mm. So they tried calling both 112, which is in Netherlands, that's their emergency number. And they tried calling 911, which is Panama's emergency number like ours. And that's like probably the saddest part to me that they tried 77 times to call yeah. 911 and could not get through. It's a really hopeless feeling. Yeah. Well, it also just makes me realize like you should probably know the number for emergency well, when and you I go was, to a different country. I mm-hmm. was listening to a podcast on this and they did say like if we went into a foreign country and 911 was not their emergency call, if we called 911, it would automatically reroute uh, to okay. whatever the emergency number is. Uh, that's good so to know. Smart. So they probably tried 112 because that's what's in their brains and yeah. then probably realized, oh, in Panama, it's 911. Let's call that one. Because they well, were good calling for them for knowing that, but yeah, yeah, damn it for the service. I know. And like I said, they only got through once and it lasted two seconds. So nothing. Aww. Um, so the phones, they said, would be off for long periods of time, sometimes up to 14 hours, 20 hours at a time. And they would just try, turn it on for a couple hours and try a lot and then turn it back off, which is smart. The yeah. phones lasted 10 days. Yeah. And they said one of the girl's phones, I forget who, one of them when she left to go into the jungle was already at 50%. Mm. Wow. So using the call logs, the police kind of came up with this timeline. So the first two calls to emergency had been hours after the hike started. They left at around like 11 a.m., they said, and the first call started at 4 p.m. April 6th, five days after they're missing, there were several unsuccessful attempts to unlock Kramer's phone. So Froon's phone at this point had died. It was out of battery. Kramer's phone was tried to unlock with, they said, at least seven times an incorrect PIN number, and it never got the correct PIN again. This is suspicious because, I mean, this is 2014, still smartphones. You can call emergency services without unlocking a phone. So they're like, they weren't trying to, like, call emergency services because you don't need a PIN for that. Right. And also, like, if one of your phones has died, you would think that you guys would know. Like, even if something happened to the other one, maybe you you would have shared the PIN. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it never received the correct PIN again. And on April 11th, both phones were dead, and they never turned back on. So then the camera. The first few pictures on the camera were from the morning of, um, and they were on a trail near the Continental Divide. Nothing suspicious. You can find these pictures all over the internet. Like, they're happy. They're taking selfies. And it's kind of sad knowing that that's, like, the last time they were seen. So the last picture was taken about one hour before the first emergency call was placed. One of the girls looks like very upset in the picture like she's not smiling she's kind of staring at the camera but she looks a little nervous a little frightened the next set of photos were taken in the dead of night between 1 to 4 a.m on april 8th so seven days after they're gone okay there were 90 photos that were taken over the space of these three hours so they're of the sky they're of trees like they're of nothing in particular some show their belongings that are spread out on rocks, like plastic bags, candy wrappers. There were socks that were, like, tied to a tree. There was a mirror. But the last one is of the back of Kramer's head with blood leaking out from her temple. Like, real close-up oh. shot. So Yikes. a lot of people have looked these over, obviously, and they think they were using the flash as light because it's the middle of the night. I see. They think maybe they took the picture of her head because they're trying to see she was injured. How bad is it? Let me look at it. Yeah. That makes sense. A lot of them think they were taking pictures of the sky because they thought they heard a helicopter or a plane and they're trying to use the flash to get someone's attention. Okay. My thing is they did have aerial searches. They wouldn't be going at one, two, three, four in the morning when it's dark. But did they have any concept of time maybe? Maybe not, but they know it's dark. I don't know. So that's what time the jungle gets dark, but here in Kansas City. (laughs) It's before 1 (laughs) a.m. It's 4.30 in the winter. (laughs) So police investigated the area where the backpack was found. Obviously, they found Kramer's clothing neatly folded along the edge of the river. 
Two months later, in the same area, they finally find a pelvic bone and a foot that was still inside the boot. The boot. The boot. The boot. The boot. The boot. The foot and the boot. Shortly after that, they found the bones of both women. Froon's bones looked as if they had decomposed naturally over the past few months because there's still like bits of flesh attached to them. Okay. Which I guess is a natural way to decompose. Kramer's, though, her bones were stark white and looked almost as if someone had bleached them. Like maybe they'd been in the sun longer. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. So police, obviously, they were questioning everyone. They questioned the locals. They questioned the tour guides, the hikers who were all in the area. Nobody had any evidence. Nobody had any leads. Even once they found the bones, they could not determine a cause of death. And to this day, we have no cause of death. Most widely accepted theory, and this is kind of what the families believe as well, natural disaster just they ran out of water somebody fell they got lost got lost yeah i mean three days without water is that what they say i think it's seven but seven could be wrong yeah it's still not very long yeah um and they only had like one water bottle like they were not expecting to be gone long sure yeah and it's the jungle and they a lot of things i was reading people were saying like in jungles and forests like if you step off the path you can be lost for hours i can only imagine yeah that's why i won't go there they didn't have a compass they didn't have service they had nothing yeah so the most commonly held belief is that kramer's fell and died she's the one that the picture was taken of her skull okay that was bleeding so they think that frun tried to you know take a picture see how bad it was realized she was gonna die and tried to get out herself her phone died first so they think she didn't tried to get into kramer's phone to contact police which gotcha. is the incorrect pin numbers they think that she was also using the camera to try to signal a helicopter or airplane. But one interesting fact about the photos, one photo is missing, and that is photo 509. So it would have been deleted in order for us to notice, because it goes from 508 to 510. So in order for us to notice it's missing, it would have been deleted after the rest of the pictures were taken. Because if you delete it right away, then the next number is just going to be 509. Okay. But if you delete it after you've taken like 510, 511, it's going to stay missing. So some believe that the Panama police or the killers, if this is, we're talking murder, deleted the photo as evidence of foul play. And this picture has never been found. It has never been provided to the families. And it was taken at the end of the daytime photos and before the nighttime photos started. So sometime Hmm. in those four days. They have brought in, I mean, I spiraled on this photo. (laughs) They have brought in (laughs) experts who have tried to get the photos back. They were able to bring back pictures the girls had like manually deleted, but they were not able to ever find 509. And they said that it was probably had to have been deleted with the help of a computer. Mm, Yeah. Which the girls obviously did not have access to. So there is a lot of speculation out there about what is 509. Is it something the Panama government tried to delete and keep hidden because there was a homicide here and they didn't want it to get out because these are, you know, young college students who are coming to their country and it's bad for tourism? Or was it the killer who deleted the photo and then Mm -hmm. put it back in the backpack and put the backpack on the riverbank, even though it had been raining for days and it was perfectly dry? There's a lot of sketchy things. There's a lot of sketchy things here. Other theories are kind of with the elements. They just got lost. There was altitude sickness, dehydration. It causes confusion. They got confused. They got turned around. They didn't know what was going on. Who who really knows? That they just let go of the dog? That's The, the dog thing. found its way back, but yeah. they did not. And that's one thing I don't get. If the dog starts leaving, follow the dog. Right. But the so, dog found its way back on its yeah. own. Yeah. That night. So other things that people found weird with the tour guide. Remember, he's the one that noticed they were missing because they didn't show up for their tour. Okay. He called the host family and then he called the school. And people were saying, like, what tour guide is going to be that plugged in, I guess. I don't know what a good word is. But that involved. Yeah. 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 And he was very involved with the investigation. And so they're like, he probably would have never met them before. So why is he this involved? Why is he making sure the police are called and all this stuff? Yeah, but on the flip side, if he wasn't, they'd be like, why is he not involved? Why didn't he tell anybody? Or even, like, if he would have done something, he probably would have wanted people to not look in his direction. That's true. But with a lot of missing cases and murders and things like that, isn't it, we have found that the murderers typically involve themselves in the cases. That is true. But this is kind of what always I thought happened. 
And maybe this was my own mind making this up. But for some reason, I thought I was led in this direction. I'm sure it was TikTok. (laughs) But was there anybody who thought that something in the jungle captured them or led them astray or something along that sort? Like, I really thought I heard that there was somebody like they thought maybe there was a group of people Mm -hmm. living in the jungle that maybe maybe captured these girls that that is a theory I did see out there. Police have shot that down pretty much right away. Police have denied anything like criminal happening to these women. Yeah. It says there's no foul play. We don't even know their cause of death. I'm getting a lot of like missing 411 vibes mm-hmm. from this. Who knows yeah. what happened? I I think it's something we will never know. Um, yeah, obviously. The family like I said has accepted that it was probably just, you know, Maybe they got lost. They got lost, kind of freak accident kind of thing, um, which... Based on the movies I that understand. I've seen, <laughs> the, the jungle's very confusing. It can be. Yes. I just, I like, I know it's kind of morbid, a lot of things about us are, but I just like reading about, like, people getting, like, lost in the woods, lost in the forest, in the jungles. And that was another weird thing they said about them. They had flashlights, they had compasses, all that stuff, they didn't take any of it with them. Mm. Or it was never, like, in the backpack or anything. Yeah, like you said, they probably just thought they would be, like, out and back. And they were on a very popular hike. They said families go on it, dogs go on it. Like, it's a very popular hike. So how did they get off course? They must have, like, tried to take a Mm -hmm. different path or, I don't know. Or they were lured. By the aliens in the forest, in the jungle. There it is. Jeff the mongoose was in the jungle. Jeff was like, hey, girls. Hey, girls, follow me. I got some extra, extra special stuff. <laughs> That's exactly what ha- we have solved the case. We have. Okay. There we case go. Closed. I don't even need to do it's unsolved no anymore. It's always Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff or aliens. Jeff or aliens. Maybe aliens Jeff's an alien. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah. What other talking mongooses have you known? That are extra, extra. Only, only alien. <laughs> Just the mongooses. one. Just the one. I only know of Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It's the only talking mongoose I know. All right, guys. That was our smorgasbord. This again. You can do it. I believe in you. Moonshine is the moonshine. You mean I'm not reading. I could read. I could read. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode, our smorgasbord. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or email us at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it and it really does help. Thanks so much. We will see you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.